This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Catherine. Hi, how are you? Hi, Annie. I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for getting up early and doing this at the time difference and everything else. It's awesome. So why don't you start at the beginning with alcohol? Where, where did this whole journey begin for you? So my journey with alcohol began uh, like a lot of Australians during my teenage years. So um, I started drinking when I was about maybe 13 or 14 was the first time I started to experiment with alcohol. I, I think I stole some spirits from my parents' cabinet with a girlfriend and yeah, like sculled a whole lot of, of, the, of the alcohol and felt really unwell and then continued down the path. I think I didn't initially really like the taste of alcohol, but there was something I think that was enticing about the whole idea of kind of losing control and doing something that I wasn't supposed to. And from that point forward, there was always for me yeah, just an attraction towards using alcohol. Um, and I think before I knew it, at the age of 16 or 17, I was regularly binge drinking. And I, as a, as a, as a young girl, I had quite a high tolerance um, for alcohol compared with some of the other girls that I was friends with. And so I was sort of put a bit on a pedestal by us, a lot of the males that I was friends with and they were like oh you know like it's amazing how much you can tolerate and so I sort of wore that as a bit of a badge of honor and it became part of my identity because the other thing was I didn't I didn't really drink and and get sick so I would drink could drink a lot and it wouldn't be until I'd sort of I guess pass out or get to the end of the night but my body didn't sort of start to expel it so I could last and last and last. And so, you know, I started to be given nicknames like the fish and camel and those sorts of things. So it really, by the time I was 18, it was really quite a big part of my identity. I was known as a big drinker and that I could, you know, keep up with the boys, uh, which in Australian culture was a big thing back then as well. And it still is. Yeah, for sure. I, that's so interesting. They're like, put you on a pedestal for having the highest tolerance. I, I felt that in corporate culture, for sure. I was like, oh, look at me. Yeah, that's fascinating. Mm. Mm. All right. So then what happened? So I guess 
I guess drinking for me in my teenage years and young adulthood, it was very normalised in Australia to binge drink your weekends away, your Thursday nights when you're at uni. It was what everyone did. So I think for me it felt normal, but I know that there was a little, I guess, a little voice in my head that there were some things that were happening when I was drinking that I guess made me feel a little bit concerned. Things like I'd, I would black out, I wouldn't remember parts of nights. I'd get into quite, I guess, I'd get into difficult situations with, with you know, in relationships, in friendships. I'd say things that I, I wasn't proud of or that I wouldn't remember. And so there was this, I guess, this bank of building up of, I guess, things where I was going, you know what, my drinking isn't... I, I think it's causing some issues, but at the time I didn't really realize it because when I'd wake up the next morning or talk to friends, we'd all sort of laugh about it and joke about it. And it would be like, oh, well, just another, another big night, another write-off doesn't matter. But I do, I do, when I go back to that sort of that version of myself, I do know that she was searching and feeling a little bit like something wasn't quite right and I guess I took that binge drinking all the way through my, my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. It was one of those patterns that was really, really hard to break. And I know that when I was trying to get pregnant with my, my first son, I took some time off drinking. And when I was breastfeeding and pregnant, I didn't drink nearly as much. And, you know, to, to be honest, I didn't find it hard not to drink, but it was interesting. Once I started drinking again after that time, I fell back into that, that pattern of binge drinking despite not wanting to. I always would end up back in that really difficult place of not again, why is this happening? Why can't I control this? Is there something I'm missing? Is there something wrong with me? And all of those questions started building up over, over the years. And it wasn't, I guess, until I was in my, I'm 49 now, but it wasn't until I was in my, I guess, late 30s, early 40s, that I really started to feel concerned about the fact that this binge drinking pattern was not going anywhere. It was getting worse. I was starting to have worse blackouts. I was starting to feel quite, edgy about my kids and what I was role modeling to them my husband was also a binge drinker as well and it wasn't creating a great dynamic in our relationship so what I realized was that you know back from when I started binge drinking at 14 there was just this pattern that had continued and continued and it didn't really matter how much time I took off drinking I would end up back in that binge drinking pattern because I think I thought well if I can moderate if I can take a month off if I can have alcohol free days during the week then I don't have a problem but yeah. what I realized is that I, I I did I do I did have a problem I don't have one now but it took me a while to get to that point and and then take responsibility for my own my own drinking and what that meant for me in my life. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think it is so interesting that journey from, you know, maybe something's going on here to, right, I'm pretty sure something's going on here to, yeah, something's going on here and I need to, I need to do something about this and how um, I love the idea of even backing that journey up to where we start to think about it sooner, but just the dynamic of the conversation has been that it almost pushes us further down the path before, because there's so much historically guilt and shame associated with over drinking, but hopefully we can change that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. And I think it's a really, if I look back now, it's a really painful place to be in awareness, but not be doing anything about it. So I think for me, yeah. I was actually in a world of hurt for a long period of time. It's almost like you're stuck because you haven't taken the steps to actually get yourself out of it but you are really aware of this pain that you're in and I look back at how I was existing at that time in my life and I really feel yeah a deep sense of compassion for that person who was so hard on herself all the time who was giving herself um you know so much I guess criticism about all sorts of different things and I think for me now, that's one of the biggest differences that I notice in my life that I'm not, you know, now that I'm no longer drinking is there's so much more space for, you know, self-love and compassion. And I don't have that same, that same, yeah, that same critical voice that was like pretty much at me the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So then in your journey, what was next? So I guess for about five or six years, I really, I had decided that moderation wasn't working for me, but I was sort of toing and froing quite a lot over that period in time. I was taking a month off, a couple of months off, feeling really good. But then <clears throat> there was something, I was still stuck. I was still stuck in the dynamic of I should still be able to drink and I should still be able to have a drink every now and again socially. And so I pretty much what I did for five years was I'd take maybe three months off drinking a year at different points in time. I wouldn't drink during the week. I'd have all these rules and regulations around my drinking, but it was exhausting. It was so tiring. And of course, I would still end up binging at one point or another and there were probably two events that happened in the lead up to me you know really stopping drinking for good and one was at my brother's wedding and then one was when we were on a family holiday and my brother's wedding I was a bridesmaid um, and you know it was a beautiful day he's my younger brother he's nine years younger than me I was really excited to be part of the bridal party I had been going through some you know personal difficulties in in my relationship with my husband at the time we'd had some financial issues and I um I went to the wedding and and drank a lot like drank a lot very quickly and was really drunk and I behaved in a way that was really unkind to my mum I said some things that were really hurtful and I just didn't present myself in a way that was respectful or kind. And I really feel like I ruined that night for my mum. And I didn't really remember it very well. I woke up the next morning 
And I thought, oh, was that a dream? Or, And I'd also, you know, fallen over and hurt my hand and a whole lot of stuff. And then I just started feeling that horrendous shame. I had my three small boys that were up the next morning. And I remember just thinking, oh, God, not again. This is really bad. I'm going to have to go and speak to my mum and have a conversation with her. And what I used to hate so much was actually not really remembering. So then not being able to take responsibility from even my behaviour, knowing that I'd said and done things, but still thinking, well, I can't really connect with that person because that person is like, yeah, I, I don't know what that person was doing at that point in time and I can't relate to to those comments so that was really that was one of a a real turning point and then probably a couple of years later I went on a family holiday and we were out for drinks with another family at their place I shotgunned about four cocktails really quickly and The next thing I remember is waking up um, in the apartment we were staying at with like a really sore head, like I, you know, hit it and I couldn't remember how I'd got home, what happened. And I remember looking over at my husband and his eyes were like, and I was like, oh, and he's like, can you remember what happened last night? And I was like, oh no it feels like something pretty major anyway yeah I they'd had I got really drunk they had to bring me home in the car the kids were in the car they were really worried about me I tried to get up the steps to our apartment and I sort of I tripped and fell back and hit my head and the kids were like crying and oh what's wrong with mum and so that was just such a big moment for me I just thought oh my gosh and the kids sat me down and, you know, they were only little, like, you know, I guess 11, 12, 13 or whatever. My oldest was probably just a teenager. And they were like, mum, we were so worried about you. Why did you do that? Like what? And then I felt so much guilt. And mm-hmm. I did a lot of soul searching that holiday. I did a lot of journaling about, you know, why was I drinking? What was what was going on for me? And I, there's, this, there's a beautiful spot where we go on a holiday and I just sat there and I just said to myself, I, I need, I actually need to stop drinking. I need to give up um, or I just really need to take it out of my life for an indefinite period of time and, and see what life feels like without drinking. And so I feel like it was probably about three or four months after that, that I decided to completely have a big break, which was in July 2019, which was when I also did my first live alcohol experiment with you. Awesome. <laughs> and so it was it was the perfect combination. I think personally I'd got to a point where I just was open to see what would happen rather than saying okay you're starting here and stopping here and then all the information that was coming through the live alcohol experiment really resonated with me all the information that I didn't know or hadn't heard before the community suddenly my world opened up and it was like 
wow, so many people struggle with their relationship with alcohol. There's nothing wrong with me. I can do this. I, I, can, I can lean into this group. I can find a way um, to, change, to change my life. And that was, that was where it started. It started in, in, in that month, that July 2019. I had my last drink on the, you know, the 30th of June. And, you know, I actually drank about a bottle and a half of red wine and I was watching Australian rules football and I got emotional and I remember going to bed that night and just thinking, oh, I can't wait for tomorrow. I really am looking forward to seeing what the future unfolds. And that was the last time I woke up feeling hungover. And little did I know that there was like quite a major chapter to uh, start in my life two months later, as we know, like you just never know what's going to, to happen. And I feel like my body knew that I was something big was going to happen in my life. And yeah, I guess then um, two months later, I, yeah, I re received, you know, a, a diagnosis um, of breast cancer and mm. yeah, I mean, that's been kind of the most traumatic and transformational period in my life but it's also been incredibly important to have been able to navigate it being alcohol free I've, I think it's really helped with my healing and my confidence in being able to connect in with all of the emotions that are um, I guess deep deep within because alcohol I think had numbed a lot of what I was feeling. And so I had to release so much from my past whilst I was going through the diagnosis too. And although it was really challenging, it was really freeing as well. And pretty, it's been life-changing. It's been life-changing. Um, so I think giving up alcohol and then having the breast cancer diagnosis so close together was was challenging, but it also supercharged so much healing as well at the same time. Wow. So how, how is that? Um, were you ever tempted to go back to drinking, especially because you're like, oh, this is just hard. I deserve it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear that so often. Yeah, I, I, the thoughts came up. Yes, they did come up. And other people even said, oh, you, you know, you have to have a drink. I mean, this is like dire straits type of thing. But, you know, I think deep inside, I knew that it wasn't, it, that wasn't going to serve me. And I very quickly started to really focus on what I needed to do to put myself in the best position to heal. And I started doing quite a bit of research into breast cancer, the causes, you know, how you can help yourself um, through, you know, integrative approaches as well as Western medicine. And, you know, I started to find out that there were lots of links between alcohol consumption and cancer, in particular, the estrogen-driven breast cancer that I was diagnosed with. So part of me very intuitively decided that, no, alcohol was not going to serve me at all. And that 
there was there was a greater purpose to what was happening for me in choosing to take alcohol out of my life, then having a breast cancer diagnosis. I could see in the future that there was a role to play for me in generating awareness and communicating what was, you know, what what this life experience was about. So then I felt really connected in with that. And so I didn't, alcohol didn't really enter too much into my mind apart from initially that first conversation. And then I felt like it was very empowering to continue to choose not to. And it still feels very much like that now that, you know, I'm through all my all my treatment and and I'm you know I'm in a really good place the fact that I did I was a huge binge drinker for 30 years it feels really it feels like taking that risk factor out of my life is is a really incredible thing to be able to do and to also communicate to other people as well yeah I love that that's amazing all right so what happened next so what happened next? So I, um, I, I went through, I guess, a year and a half worth of, of treatment. And so I had five months of very intense chemotherapy. I had surgery. I had radiation therapy. I then had some targeted therapy. And um, that was, again, a really life-changing experience I was given so much love and support during that time but it really um, it really tapped me into what living was all about I guess having a, a diagnosis at the age of 46 it was the first time I really I guess thought about my own mortality and what legacy I wanted to leave and what life is actually about and how you can be a passenger or you can be actively involved in your in your life and choose the way you want to live. So that became this, I felt this driving force inside me all of a sudden that was like, I am so privileged to be living in this life and to get another opportunity to do that after having had a, a life-threatening diagnosis. So I actually saw it as a real opportunity to choose to live with a lot more purpose and give back and be of service. And that felt to me like, yeah, I, like it just felt so, so like I felt so connected to that in my heart. And so that's when I sort of started thinking about, I'd worked in, you know, PR and communications for, for many years and I had taken a leave of absence for my job whilst I was going through some of my treatment and then COVID hit and I just decided I didn't want to go back to that job. And that's when I I, I had started thinking about coaching and I think I'd sent an email to this naked mind, I think back in after I'd done the alcohol experiment saying, hey, if you're ever doing any coaching, I'd love to be involved and I'd love to do a coaching certification and then the timing lined up last year and yeah that was one of the most incredible decisions I've made as well I remember at the time thinking that 
two years previously, it would have been really difficult for me to make a decision for the financial investment, the time investment. I would have, but for me, it was like, this is, this is it. I'm doing it. I, this is where I need to be. And of course, I, I started the certification um, in March this year and finished in August. And yeah, I mean, what an incredible community. It's just been so life-changing for me. And now I've started, you know, my own business. I have clients in, you know, America and the UK now, and it's really starting to take off and it feels really amazing. That's so wonderful. I'm so glad for you. That's just such a powerful story of, of all of the things. And you have such a sort of light, pleasant energy about you too, you know, just very happy and peaceful. And that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it really, it really has been amazing. And I think, I think, you know, some parts of this journey haven't been, haven't been easy. And I'm still um, navigating, you know, some relationships and friendships that have changed because of the decision to live an alcohol-free life. And as a, and I think, you know, I was talking to my kinesiologist a couple of days ago. There's a part of me that still, you know, was a people pleaser and choosing an alcohol-free life means that some people aren't pleased with that. Like they don't, it really makes them feel awkward. And that for me has been something to really step into and own because I feel so I am so connected to my own life and what I'm doing and I would never choose to go back there but it has meant that some relationships and even lifestyle choices have completely changed and even my relationship with my husband we had to navigate such a it, it was a huge change because I decided to stop drinking and then I was going through cancer. He had his own relationship with alcohol that he needed to navigate as well, which was problematic. And so I wasn't even sure if our marriage would, would, would last the course because I very quickly realised that I was committing to my own situation. That was my responsibility. And he needed to work out what was right for him and it wasn't my responsibility to try and push that onto him and so I had to give him space to work out what what that looked like and you know remarkably well not remarkably but um, we had to do a lot of work we had a lot of counseling I mean he decided himself to choose an alcohol-free life a year ago so that was a year a year and a bit after I did and so that's been amazingly it's been so incredible for our marriage, our relationship, the way we connect as well, because alcohol was a big part of the way we used to socialise. Um, and, yeah, it's almost like you start to um, learn a whole new way of, of living together mm -hmm. as a couple, even when we've been together for 20 years. So, uh, but I'm, I'm really, um, it, I'm so proud of, of him and where, what he's done to get to where he is as well. And um, it, it doesn't always happen in, in relationships because it is really hard, I think. Um, and I know even with 
some of my clients, that's one of the hardest things for them they find is if their partner or someone people close to them aren't on on that on that journey. Um, what what the decisions that you need to make and how that how that impacts you. So um yeah, it's what we 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 have had to do a lot of hard work to get there and we continue to do the work because we're still yeah navigating a lot of different stuff without drinking. Yeah, it's so true. It's, you know, any change, no matter how positive the change is in a relationship is intense. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's a really good change, even if, you know, you won the lottery, it would be a very intense change, right? Arguably good, but anything that, that you do, that's so significantly different in a relationship is just so true. Um, how much it changes things, but that's awesome. And then what about friendships? You said there's been some friendships as well that have been difficult to navigate a bit. Yeah, yeah, they really have. Um, And I guess, you know, a couple of them are like really older friendships, friendships with people that I've known for a long period of time. And I guess for me, it's been really... um, it's been tough because I, I, what I've realized is, is that we have, because I've changed and my lifestyle's changed, it's not, it's not them. It's actually in me where, and part of me, even the last, even the last month I've had to navigate accepting a new dynamic in a relationship and that that's actually a choice that I've made while grieving what was as well and feeling that, you know what, that's okay to grieve what was, but continue to, to look ahead. And I think, you know, you, you coached me on it um, in our virtual retreat and it was really helpful for me. It was really powerful to navigate, to step back and say, it's actually okay to grieve what was and Mm -hmm. to accept what is new and even though that feels different and it's not the same there's still uh, an opportunity to create something meaningful there and that that that's that's what I've been doing the last few weeks with in particular a really beautiful old friendship um, for me you know one of my oldest and closest girlfriends and I saw her on Friday and after your coaching it was amazing I you know energetically things that my thoughts had changed and so it it the relationship felt easier the flow felt easier because my expectations are different Mm. and that's okay because the other thing I realized was is that I have other relationships in my life now that I am putting you know, energy into that, that are giving me that really that deeper connection because we're living, I guess, a more aligned lifestyle. And, so, you know, a lot of those friendships have come through um, this snake of mind and the beautiful coaches that I've met through the, through the program and even coming into the mastermind, just connecting with all the coaches who've been in there. I mean, they're just so amazingly generous and, loving and kind and I just think that's a testament to you and the energy that you have created and put into the business 
Um, it's just really beautiful. Oh, it's so awesome. It's so true. And one thing that you said I want to touch on is um, just this idea of not having expectations. So like uh, another way that I like to say that is just being conscious of the rule books we have for other people. And, you know, just questioning, like, what right do we have to have a rule book and, and being conscious of other people's rule books for us, you know, and just kind of calling that sort of stuff into the light, because there's so much heartache in relationship when we are have a rule book, like, okay, they don't care about me unless they call me this frequently, or unless they drink with me, or we can't connect. Like I had a friend who she definitely had, you know, a meaning about we were not, even though we'd been friends since preschool, we had started drinking together. And so we, you know, a decade of drinking from, um, anyway, from like our twenties on. And when I stopped, she kind of disappeared. And when we finally ended up talking about it and I was like, well, what happened exactly? And she's like, well, I guess when I'm thinking about it, I had this meaning that if we weren't drinking margaritas, we'd have nothing to talk about. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. Like it was just this unspoken, unconscious meaning that she'd assigned to something. And then we didn't talk for years because I got super busy and she had this meaning. And, and then once we reconnected, we're like, oh no, this is even better. You know, we're, we're actually having deeper, but I think letting go of those meanings, those expectations that we have for other people is just such a key to mm. creating really profoundly good relationships. Yeah, that's such a great point. Um, and I think I've realized in myself that I had a lot of rules in my own head about my own stuff, my own way of living, my own relationship with alcohol, my own my relationships with people. So I've had to dissect and, and really look into that because that, that was, those were rules that I was creating for myself, but I also had them around certain relationships and friendships. So being able to step back and kind of look at that and go, wow, you're actually, you're creating all the stories here. You're creating a situation that actually doesn't exist. Yeah. And I guess the, the most freeing thing for me was stepping back and saying, does, does this person, do I think this person loves me? Yes, they do. Do I love them? Yes, I do. That is all I need to come into this, this dynamic with love with compassion and be open. And when I did that, everything felt different rather than going in with whatever little stories and rules, as you said, I had going in my head. So I've got this little, <laughs> I've got this little bit of paper at the moment on my computer that just says, you know, stop the stories because that's mm. what, that is what gets you all tied up in knots. And what I've found out more often than not is none of it is true. It's just your stories. And I think we all do it. Mm -hmm. And the awareness is great because you can stop and you can change it around. So when yeah, I went into the catch up with my girlfriend with more of that feeling of love and I hadn't seen her and I was excited about seeing her, it felt there was, it still felt really warm. It's different. It's not like it used to be but it was still a really I really still enjoyed the time that we had together and so that was all that mattered what I took 
from the experience. And I, I, and I know that she did too. So it's, it almost felt like that was the new beginning of where we are now. And that, yeah, that felt really, really powerful and really good. So thank you so much because that coaching really helped me get out of what I was stuck in. Amazing. I'm so glad. That's awesome. So um, Catherine, let me ask you the, the last two questions. First of all, where can people find out more about you if they're interested in coaching? Yeah, so my uh, my coaching website is the alcoholmindsetcoach.com. And um, yeah, I do specialize in in helping binge drinkers. Um, what I found is, is that binge drinkers have quite a specific um, mind mindset and and pattern. And it actually doesn't matter how old you are or whether you're male or female or it, there is a, a real um, there's a whole lot of emotional similarities that come with being a binge drinker. So I've got some s- specific binge drinking programs that I've developed and yeah, it, it, it's really going well. So yeah, the alcoholmindsetcoach.com. Well, that's so amazing. And it's so important because yeah, I was not a binge drinker. And so so many people come to me and they ask me specifically about binge drinking. I'm like, I can do research on it, but it wasn't my experience, you know, so I, I love that. I love that so much. Um, and then the final question is really, if you were going to go back in time um, to yourself of, you know, struggling with different things, those two incidents we discussed, what would you tell her about what life is like now? Mm. Well, I'm a big believer. I don't, I never believe in, um, I always feel like whatever experience we go through, it's really important. And I, you know, it's part of our path. So I would never, I would never change anything that's happened in my life or tell myself um, you should do this because, or whatever, what I would tell myself is that you have um, this amazing path in your life and continue to trust and believe in yourself and show others love and compassion that is the most important thing. We never know what's going on in anyone's life. So yeah, try to be less judgmental on yourself. And that, that helps you be less judgmental of other people because what I, you know, Neil, I'll be 50 next year. And one of the things, I think one of the greatest lessons that we can all learn is to, yeah, accept ourselves and, and then we can accept other people. And then things just really open up. I think connecting I think connecting with the humanness of who we all are, that is like, that's my favorite thing now. Like just humans are just the best, right? So, and everyone has a beautiful gift to give in this world. And so I always now try and, you know, some some relationships are harder to navigate and sometimes you don't connect with people, but we can all connect. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think for me, that's, and also stop the rules. I think I had too many rules on myself when I was growing, you know, all of that. And I'm, I'm starting to let them go, which feels so amazing. And, 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 you know, be you really, that's, that's, you know, just do you. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. It's such a freeing way to live when you finally stop trying to be what everybody else or what you think everybody else wants you to be, because they probably don't actually care that much. But, and I love that. That's so true. true. um, Yeah, I love humans too. Like we're all so fascinating and interesting and 
you know, if you approach it with just like wonder and curiosity, instead of expectation and judgment, the whole world opens up. It really does. The world is just the most amazing place. And yeah, humans are like, yeah, I, I'm just, they're just so beautiful and there's so much to learn from every everyone. Yes. So I always see conversations now with people as an opportunity to, to learn. And that's even the other thing about coaching and clients. You have, you can sometimes just through seeing someone, you create these expectations about who they are. And, and I'm constantly surprised. You know, I just go in now just with curiosity because I'm really surprised by people. Just what you see is not what you get sometimes at all. It's, you know, there's so many layers to people. I love that. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been super, super fun and very inspiring to hear your story. It's just incredible. Thanks, Annie. I have loved our conversation. I really appreciate uh, the time to tell my story and share with others. Awesome. Hey, it's Annie Grace. I want to tell you about the most important book that I never wrote. And I mean that. This is This Naked Life. It's 48 true stories of people finding freedom from alcohol. And it's so inspiring. It's our stories, as you know from this podcast, that truly change us, that revolutionize what we believe is possible for ourselves. So it's This Naked Life. You can find it on Amazon or check it out online. Even download it 100% free at nakedlifestories.com. And every single copy that you buy, all the proceeds are 100% committed to keeping the alcohol experiment forever free for anybody who needs it. So check it out. It's such an inspirational book. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.